With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 10 of Gamer Heroes. I am Derek, one of your weekly hosts, and I have my other weekly hosts with me, John. Whoa! What's up? <laughs> and Zach. Hey, how's it going, man? Good, dude, good. That was, see, see, John, that was a normal greeting to say hello to people. I gotta deliver to the fans, man. It's gotta be craziness on my, my end of the table here. Crazy. I, I mean, for all, for all I know, I, I mean, do we have any fans? I don't even know. We do have one review on iTunes. I was going to say, like, Jesse, look this up, man. Jesse, look this up. That's right. Uh, but we have a guest this week. It is our first guest. We're, guest. We're 10 episodes in, and we decided to uh, to bring somebody in. So, uh, Ryan, say hi. Hi. And, uh, Ryan, why, what, what do you do? I do another podcast <laughs> called Screen Heroes. You may have heard it. Just this little podcast on Heroes Podcast Network. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah, we're co-hosts. I've only been doing it for like seventeen years or something now. It's so. been a while. Yeah, yeah, hundred episodes or something. Yeah. No, no, we're only at episode sixty-one. But, but together, you and I have done other stuff. Yeah, so we're almost at 100 we're almost episodes. at hundred episodes yeah. together. Well, I'm yeah, glad you guys are cool. buddies. So, what are yeah, we? Yeah, we are. Derek is a true friend. So, no. So before <laughs> before we dive into things, though, uh, Ryan, we wanted to bring Ryan on because uh, this week we're talking about Overwatch. And if you don't know what Overwatch is, um, it's a first-person shooter by Blizzard. Go look it up. Um, and Ryan is a big Overwatch player. Specifically I'm the on. only competitive player in this uh, little circle that we have here. Wow. I believe you. I didn't know if John was competitive not for or not. Uh, he hasn't gotten high enough level yet, but I'm sure he will be once he gets high enough level. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not really into competitive play in, in video games much in general. Um, so, yeah. And I don't play Overwatch. I don't get to play it enough to, to really be competitive level. So, But we are going to be talking about Overwatch. We do have some news to uh, discuss before we jump into things. Um, the first one I kind of want to talk about is something called the All Controller, which is on uh, is going to be on Kickstarter. And it is a basically it's a controller that looks like an Xbox One controller or the Pro Controller for the, the Switch and the Wii U. Uh, maybe like the Steam controller, except that you can actually select a platform, and theoretically, you could use this same controller for essentially any gaming platform out there, from the PS4, Xbox One, to Android, Apple TV, drones, even the Switch. Do you guys think this is just a giant gimmick? Jack, it's going to be like the universal remote of the future. Okay. <laughs> Which is to say that it's not going to work particularly well, and it's not going to do any any one thing particularly well. It's just going to be generally maybe not sucky. Hmm. Is the uh, is the Steam controller not compatible with... I mean, it's just a USB controller, so I feel like it's probably compatible with uh, at least Xbox and PS4. Uh, Xbox One and PS4. 
I don't know, is it? I don't know. I would assume, <laughs> it's just a USB controller, and it's designed to replicate a keyboard. So, I mean, I imagine if you can plug a keyboard into it, then you can probably plug that controller into it, and it would work, too. I don't know that it would work on the Switch, but... Well, it's it, not going to work for drones. And, and... I mean, it might. I'm sure any <laughs> controller can work for a drone, as long as it has the right inputs. You can, I'm, I've seen people use Xbox controllers on drones, and I've seen them use X, Xbox controllers on all kinds of things. I mean, it's, I don't think it's as innovative as... Yeah. It's being plugged as plus it's a Kickstarter and well it is a Kickstarter Kickstarters yeah. you know they, they they're cool but so let, let me ask you this. so it's got like a, the images show it's got like a screen on it and you can select what platform you want to do so I assume that way Gimmick. like ma- all maps all the buttons right so what just theoretically let's just pretend for a minute that this is the real deal and it works as intended. What would you pay for something like that? What do you think is a fair Not price? what it's going to cost, because <laughs> any controller that has a screen seems to cost significantly more That's fair. than any other controller. What about you guys? What would you, what would you pay if it worked the way it's intended? I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> wow. A negative Nancy today. Um, I want to I point something out, just so you guys... Just for everyone listening. So, if you ask me... It's called the All Controller, which kind of reminds me of the All Spark, okay? And you know how it's a transformer. Oh, that's cute. So I feel like that's what they were going for. <laughs> so, so this is uh, the gaming controller prime. It's it is the All Spark, you know? Because remember, remember in the movie that that glorious scene where where it gets in contact with a Mountain Dew machine. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel about this controller. Um, <laughs> I okay. think. Fifty bucks is probably a fair price on, on a realistic standpoint. Um, I think it'll be more than that, just because of all the gimmicks, the screens, um, using the newest Bluetooth drivers. Um, it'll probably be somewhere close to eighty dollars, to be honest with you. But fifty is my price point on it. I think it's kind of cool. I would come in at eighty bucks. I think eighty is fair because the idea is for it to. Um, replace multiple controllers at the same time. And, you know, yeah, the Xbox Ones are 60, 80 if you get them custom. Mm-hmm. And the Pro Controller for the Switch is 70. So, all right. So, you know, if it comes in at 50 bucks, maybe it's worth it. I'm thinking with John, it's probably going to be 80. Yeah, so. it's going to be 80 to 100. Yeah. Also, the uh, Steam Controller does work with the PS4, apparently, but it will oh. only recognize it as a PC or as a keyboard and mouse. It won't recognize it as a controller. That's weird. Interesting. Yeah. So it's like, it's like having... A keyboard and mouse, but with less functionality. Because <laughs> really you only have like five keys or something. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a really difficult to use keyboard and mouse. All right, well that's that's weird. So okay, good to know. Um, so John, you said that there was something going on though with Sony and the PS4. What what did they announce? Yeah, yeah. Sony announced on Monday that they were going to start a new streaming service that actually included um, current gen PS4 games as well as legacy uh, PS3 games. But the here's the kicker. It'll be for PC. So it can actually be used on PC. It'll be like a Steam um, service. And they're going to be bumping up the library as well to compete with Xbox's new subscription library, the Game Pass. Um, they're gonna so wait, so when, you say, when you say it runs on PC like Steam, you still have to own a PS4, right? It's really vague. Uh, the, all they did was they announced it. They didn't give anybody really any specifics. So currently, this I'll read it exactly word for word. It says, currently the service lets players stream legacy PlayStation games. Um, PS Now at, at no cost uh, says that the new capabilities will be available for PC. 
Um, there's not really any other details on that. They also haven't given us when. They gave us a price point, but they haven't given us when. So I imagine sometime this holiday season. So that's interesting. I wonder because, like, you know, Microsoft has the cross-play for some of their stuff, but right. with Windows 10, you're using the same account on your Xbox One that you would use on your Windows 10 machine. So I understand how they can, from like a, you know, a, a rights perspective, DRM perspective, handle that. I don't know how Sony would do that. It, it makes more sense for Xbox, in my opinion. I think that's a kind of a weird move for Sony, and they also said that they're going to. Um, discontinue some of the the adding games to the PS Now service after this uh, PlayStation Now service to focus more on developing this PlayStation Four games for PC platform, which is kind of a I think that's a step back in my opinion. I think it's kind of weird that they announced this on on Monday. It seems like a mistake for Sony to try and fight Microsoft on their turf. Because, I mean, Sony's, Sony can beat Microsoft in the console market, but I don't think they're going to beat Microsoft in the PC market. I, I, the only thing I see that there are some, some A-plus like, titles that people uh, on PC would probably play. Like, Ryan, you, you're a hardcore PC gamer. You don't do much consoles, right? No, but um, there's, like, The Last of Us I would like right, to play. I was going to say Last um, of Us Uncharted you'd probably Uncharted play. I would play. And then there's some other one I saw a preview. Oh, uh, the, the new one with the robots. Horizon Zero, Horizon Zero Dawn. Horizon. I saw a preview for that. I thought it looked cool. Yeah, yeah. so, I mean, I would oh, play some of that stuff. Making that available is kind of a good idea, but that's four games we just listed, you know? So... I mean, is it worth twenty dollars to you to get those games, Ryan? Twenty dollars one time a month. Does, so a subscription. Well, I mean, I would pay you know twenty dollars for two or three months until I get through those games, and then right. I stop until another game came out that I want to play. It'd be like right. Netflix. But twenty bucks a month is double what Microsoft is charging for their service. Right. They're doing. Yeah. It's. I. I honestly don't understand what what Sony doing. What's their end game on this one? And then also, I'd rather it be like Steam, where it's like you you get to you know buy the games on the service, and then you can just play them whenever you want. Because then I feel like at twenty bucks a month, I'd be rushed to play through the games as quick as I could, right. and then discontinue the service. Well, right. People, man, take a while. At twenty bucks a month, you have you have three months to beat a standard AAA title. Yeah, it's sixty dollars for a game, yeah. brand new. Yeah, but. So, I mean, none of those games that I mentioned are brand new, other than Horizon no, Zero Dawn. No, but you know, if the service had been out when right. the last of us came out, you know, yeah. um, is all I meant there. But okay, I think it's risky. That's that's all I wanted to point out. Is I think it's going to be. Um, I don't know what the end game is, but I think it's a risky move for them, and it's probably going to fail. So. Yeah, I mean, I hesitate to call it risky because I'm just too confused by it. I, yeah. I think something's missing. So. Um, all right, well, hey, Zach, why don't you fill us in on what's going on with the Switch? Yeah. Let me... Yeah. <laughs> or, or, <laughs> totally I, looking I, I, up, I, aren't you? I got you, man. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, I, I, can, I got, got you, that man. up. <laughs> <laughs> so we have our, our first week numbers in for the Switch. Uh, it sold one and a half million units uh, in the first week across the globe. And 89% of people who bought the Switch bought Zelda, which I'm only surprised the number's that low, because I'm not sure what else you're buying if right. you bought the Switch on launch day. <laughs> Fast um, about the Super Clippers. So, <laughs> oh. Yeah, I mean, if you shelled out 300 bucks for a Switch so you could play 1-2 Switch or Bomberman alone, uh, that surprises me. So, um but those, those are some good numbers to kind of put that in perspective. Uh, 
for Microsoft and Sony at their two-week marks were at about two million and two point one million, uh, with the PS4 at two point one million uh, after eighteen days. So you know it's kind of on pace at this point. It'll really depend on stock and if there's enough for people to buy. It seems to be sold out everywhere, so they could stall at one and a half million because there's nothing left to to sell. Um, but so here's you know, something. I want to talk about that for a second. Um, the thing that really frustrates me about Nintendo is they kind of create their own demand by offering a short supply. It's kind of a weird thing, and they've always done this. Why do you think that is? I mean, part, part of it is that rush of people wanting to go and get it because it won't be easy to get later. But I think another part of it is they, they don't estimate well. In this particular case, it's outselling the Wii U by a, a pretty strong margin. Um, and they wanted 2 million units sold in March, and they hit three-quarters of that in the first week. So I'm not sure they anticipated the Switch to be this popular in March versus the Wii U that launched you know, at a holiday time. I disagree, because I felt like that little re-release they did of the uh, NES was was ridiculous. Like I think the, the, sur- the hype surrounding that was crazy for no reason, um, yeah, especially when you're locked in at 80 games. 30 games. It's only 30 30 games. games. Sorry. And I didn't expect people... But the thing is, though, I'm with Nintendo on that one. I did not expect people to rush out and get that. I didn't rush out and get it. And I'm the biggest Nintendo fan I know. I mean, 30 games, short controller cables, um, there's really no flexibility to it. I have an NES, so it just didn't seem like something that the average person would want to run out and pick up. But there's people who who camped out for it. I guess my point is that Nintendo's hot right now, and I feel like, judging so, uh, by that... I was thinking the yeah. exact same thing. <laughs> judging by that, I, I feel like, and you, you should have seen this coming. I mean, if people are running out just to get your your old classic system, I can't imagine what they're going to do to get your hybrid system. Um, I, I don't know. That's just a telltale sign, in my opinion. Well, but I mean, you have to remember, the, the NES Classic came out in November. They only had four months, not even. They had three and a half months to update production for the Switch. And that's not a lot of time in the grand scheme of things um, to be able to increase production levels to any significant extent. The Switch is also, you know, we say it's 300 bucks, but you know you still have to buy a game, so now you're yeah. at 360 You know If you buy the Pro Controller or an extra set of Joy-Cons, that's another 70 or $80. Bucks. Um, you know, if you get a stand for it, you get a screen protector, you get a case, I mean, you're spending $500. The NES Classic was sixty, I think fifty nine ninety nine, if I remember right. It was. It was. You know, I, I thought that was too high, but yeah. Well, it's it's two dollars a game, is is what it is, right? And so you think, okay, people walk in on a random Tuesday and pick up the new game of the week for sixty bucks on the PS4. Sixty bucks to a gamer isn't like a huge chunk of change. Five hundred to get yourself up and running on the Switch is a lot of money. Right, so, but you can never get more games for that system. It's it's kind of no, I know, but for for Christmas, uh, you can get your kids for sixty bucks a a console that plays thirty games, you know. Versus in March, you don't have a holiday, and it's going to be four or five hundred bucks to get it up and running. Right. So it's it's a very different investment. So I, I did not expect the NES to be as popular as it was, but it is an easier investment. So, um. The only other thing I wanted to mention about Nintendo is, for those of you who have a Switch, the Splatoon 2 Global Test Fire event is the weekend of March uh, 24th, 5th, and 6th. There's very specific time frames for you to play those. 
So you're going to want to get out and check out those time frames. It's only an hour at a time. Um, two hours on Friday, three hours on Saturday, and only one hour on Sunday. So if you want to play it, get out there. You can download the demo ahead of time. It has a um, pre-download for that. So. so is there a reason for those limited timelines? I assume the infrastructure is just not ready to handle... It's a beta. They do it on PC all the time, right? Is that essentially what it is? It's, essentially, it's a very... I mean, I hesitate to call it a beta... It's more of an alpha. <laughs> when a PC game has an open beta, they do like a beta weekend, and then they test right. their servers, and realistically, the game is going to be down for at least half that time because their servers aren't going to be able to handle the load. I'm sure that's what they're doing with it. They're just trying to make sure that their infrastructure is there. They're going to get way more of a load during that hour mm-hmm. than they will once they release the game, and it's open all the time for people to play. So it really gets a... I'm sure that's what it is. It gets to test their servers and, and their capacity and see if, uh, if it'll shut down or their entire system or not. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> no, I, I that's my guess fair. anyway. I don't know. Yeah. No, I think that's fair. This will be the Switch's first real online multiplayer test. Because mm-hmm. while Fast RMX and Bomberman have some online play, the people aren't rushing out to pick up those games. Splatoon is a is the other than Mario Kart 8, is the most successful game on the Wii U. Um, it's a big deal that they're doing the sequel for the Switch. So, you know, I'm gonna do my best to try and find some time to play this. Uh it's going to be difficult to do because the times are kind of weird, but I'll try. It'll be nice to you know, at least play it for free for a little bit since I never played the first one. So before I go out and spend 60 bucks, you know. All right. Well, um, the only other thing in the news before we move on to our main topic that I did want to mention is the Project Scorpio page from Microsoft is officially up. The product page is up. It's available. There's a video. There's some basic information and a sign-up email alert thing. Uh, and I just want to say that after our 2017 predictions last week, my one of mine already came true, and that's that the Project Scorpio will be the first true 4K gaming console released on the market. So, pretty unless unless Sony surprises us between now and and the Scorpio's release, but I'd be shocked. Nothing. I, I we saw that coming. I mean, I mean, I feel like that. <laughs> Yeah, I, I wanted to kill the science silence. Um, that that was what needed to be done, uh, in my opinion. So, to, in order to be competitive, so that that is uh, expected. Now, I know John and Ryan. You guys both played Fallout Four, right? Mm-hmm. Zach, did you play? Uh, briefly. Uh, I mean, I loved Fallout Three. I played Fallout Four. I actually pre-ordered it and got like ten hours in, and then just never went back to it. So I want to I want to run this by you guys in the video for the Scorpio, which is really just like a testimonial for a product that doesn't actually exist yet. Um, they mentioned that they're bringing Fallout Four to VR, and I want your what would you guys feel about that? Do they say for what what like headset? Does Microsoft have their own? Well, they have Hololens, so I'm assuming. Okay. That's what they mean, but I they mean, didn't specify. When it comes to VR, there's I don't really pay attention to anything uh, other than the um, uh, Vive because it's the only one with true motion control. And in my opinion, what's what's the point of playing VR if with a controller? Can, yeah, with a controller, <laughs> it kind of ruins the whole experience. And but the problem with, with Fallout Four is there's so much movement, so much movement, and you can't do. Uh, like in your living room, you'd be like doing that teleporting thing that they have to do when you have to cover large areas, and that would be really old. I think that game will be cool in VR, but playing it with a controller, 
I don't really, I'm not interested in playing any VR game with a controller personally. I want to watch you like tuck and roll in the middle of the living room to avoid that. <laughs> I mean, I've done crazier things. You should see me play laser tag. <laughs> That's apparently how VR works uh, in, in movies and TV shows. So apparently you're just exactly. hiding behind your couch for cover. I don't know. Well, you can't hide behind your couch for cover because your couch doesn't exist in the game, but you can latch yeah, like, down behind cover in the game. <laughs> yeah. This is um, an augmented reality. So. It, That's it's right. just not there, man. I, I just think it's not there yet. Uh, VR, and stay tuned and check out our, how, our previous so? episodes. But uh, VR is just not at the point where I think. How so, though, Chuck? Like, what part of VR isn't, isn't there? I'm yeah, just curious. Yeah, I'm getting there. Um, exactly <laughs> the, the controllers you're talking about specifically. And then the uh, the Vive is closer with having multiple cameras at different viewpoints. So it can actually sense uh, not only motion, but it can – basically, when you turn around and do a 360, it, it can still capture that motion behind Yeah, you. the motion control that I was talking about. Yeah, that's the Vive is the only one that has that. It, right. I mean – VR is never going to be to the point where you can walk across an entire football field unless you have a, an entire football field to actually walk across, or unless they come up with like one of those giant things that is just like a those circle. Treadmills, those treadmills. Yeah, those and really I mean that's cool. I've I've played on one of those before, and it's <laughs> it's fine, but you can tell you're in it, so it feels weird. You um, need a holodeck like on Star Trek. Yeah, I, that's I mean where it's going. It seems like. Yeah, someday maybe. Yeah, I mean, right now I'm happy with the Vive and the teleportation method that they do. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's like uh, you can point and aim your light beam. It looks like a beam from God uh, wherever you want on the map and click a button and it teleports you to that location. That's how you move long distances in VR games if you don't have a large area to play in. Um, and yeah, if, and that's going to be all we can do for a while, I imagine, with that. And I don't think an open world title like Fallout really lends itself well to something that's at that stage. So on that point, I guess I do agree with you on that, Sean. I mean, especially considering that there's so many side quests and side missions and the inventory is so massive. I just, I feel like it would be very clumsy. There's also like, the, one of the things that Overwatch, or Overwatch, we're not talking about that yet, Fallout, <laughs> is that uh, you like get... Uh, your little towns that you can save. I forget what call colonies or something like that is called. And once you save them and they're under your control and you can build and stuff in them. Well, if you leave and go to a quest across the whole map, you can get a, a quest saying, Hey, your thing is getting attacked. So then you have to go all the way back. So, you know, something like that where you constantly have to be moving like a huge map. It just doesn't make There's sense just to me. Yeah, it's just like I don't understand how some of the mechanics are going to work for VR. Like there's so many buttons that do so many things and there's so many, um, I don't know, like you said, little mechanics like that. Like, how are you going to work that all in um, in some fast of those? <laughs> Apparently, you're going to be fast traveling everywhere. No, no, but, like, there's so many things that you can do. Like, I just, I don't think it's there. I don't think it's going to be a good, submersive um, experience, to be honest with you. Like, I think it, it works okay in games where you're just kind of exploring stuff, looking at stuff. You're not really interacting I don't in in Fallout the whole game is very much about interactions, so I find that to be probably gimmicky. It's it's a gimmicky. It's a sell. It's well, if you like Fallout Four, you'll love VR in Fallout Four. Like no, I, that's not how it works. That's fair enough, fair enough. Um, okay, well, is there anything else, guys, in the news that you would like to cover dealing with video games? <laughs> Thank you for adding that last addendum. No. <laughs> don't want to go on too many tangents you know alright well then let's let's hit today's main topic which is Overwatch um, 
Blizzard, known for Warcraft and WoW and Heroes of the Storm Diablo. and Diablo, Starcraft, also now has their you know new IP, which is Overwatch. Overwatch is a first-person shooter, much in the style of... Uh, um, Wow. Team Fortress. Team Fortress 2. Thank you. I didn't want to say Towerfall. I knew that was wrong. Team Fortress 2. Thank you. Uh, so let's, we're going to talk about that, but specifically I want to start with the new character. Um, Orissa, she's in PTR now, will be available uh, to play publicly on March 21st. What do you guys think of Orissa? Ryan has the most ha- experience with her. So. Well, first, let, why don't we define who she is first? Why don't somebody tell the listeners a bit about Orissa as a character. The listeners and Zach. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, I will jump in here and do it. it. Um, So in the story of Overwatch, um, basically a young girl wins a science fair for her work with, uh, I think she was like 11, wins a science (laughs) fair for her work with um, robotics. And uh, she is getting ready to travel with her family, and the airport is attacked by a villain in the Overwatch universe, uh, previously hinted at uh, and referred to only in like the cinematics, uh, called Doomfist. And um, Terry Crews, we hope uh, so. We don't. Uh, we're not going to confirm the Terry Crews <laughs> voice. I know. Voice I, know. I just love Terry um, Crews. But he uh, attacks, and and in her hometown called Numbani, um, sees. Uh, the destruction caused by a Doomfist. Um, it destroyed a bunch of their defense robots that they have uh, in the town, and she decides that she's going to take pieces of their corpses and make a better robot, and uh, that is where Orissa came from. Orissa is the guardian of Numbani in Overwatch. So, uh, basically, the way the, uh, the little synopsis for her from the game is that... Uh, Orissa serves as the central anchor of her team and defends her teammates from the front line with a protective barrier. She can attack from long range, fortify her own defenses, launch gravitation charges to slow and move enemies, and deploy a supercharger to boost the damage output of multiple allies at once. She is a tank. That is her class. And uh, John and Ryan are the only two who've had an opportunity to play as her. So I'd like your guys' thoughts on this new character. How do you think she fits in? I'll, I'll let Ryan. He's he's played with her a lot more than I have. He's he's put in his hours. Um, I actually have not played with her more than you have. I played. I went to the test range and played. What checked out her abilities, and then I played one game with her, which is the exact same amount you played, as far as I know. So we gotcha. both played the exact same amount of time okay. with her. Um, well, uh, go ahead, man. Yeah, I can I can dive in. I don't, it doesn't matter to me, but um, I, I don't. She doesn't really do anything special. Like, like, everything she does is somebody else's ability. So she gets a, 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 a weapon uh, that's a lot like Bastion's gun. Mm-hmm. If you're familiar with Bastion, Bastion has like a machine gun that shoots really fast. He's basically a, a turret, right. a walking turret. Yeah. Um, and she gets that, essentially. She gets a, a deployable shield that she basically, you basically aim, and it shoots out a, like a shield that looks like a soccer goal mm-hmm. shape uh, that you can your team can hide behind, and it's got like 900 hit points or 700 hit points, something like that. Um, and, I, you know, that was something that I really noticed first was that it would all look like variations of other people's abilities. So, like, that shield, it's like Reinhardt's shield. It's more like Winston's shield. I mean, it's it's, yeah, it's that's deployable wherever you want it to be, but it isn't a full sphere like Ryan, or like Winston's shield. Well, right, so it's, it's, it's always lesser because you can't move it like you can with Reinhardt. It's not 
uh, full coverage like it is with Winston. Right. So it's it's always like her abilities are slightly less than the other characters who already had them. Right. Right. And then you get your uh, Graviton... I don't know to see it on Which here. Which doesn't really work that well. It actually works really well once you get the hang of it. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's a trick. I mean, it's, I got to play with it on the test range before I played with it in the game, so it's, it, I got to at least kind of see, like, the ranges and everything on it. Um, ahead of time, you didn't really get the opportunity to do that, so you just kind of dove in head first. Um, so, if, yeah, I mean, if you, you have to kind of, like, shoot it really close to it. It's not like Zarya. Zarya is another hero in the game that her ultimate ability is that she can shoot on, shoot out a big thing that pulls all the enemies in, a, in an area right to one single spot. And um, uh, Orisa gets that same thing, but it's her alternate fire instead of being a, a, an ultimate, and it has a lot shorter range. Gotcha. Um, so, I mean, it, when I use it, it works pretty well. It just, you know, I'm used to Zarya's, which has a lot more range, so I could see it if you didn't get a lot of time to mess with it, not like, you know, really feeling like it's powerful. I think it will be powerful. I think it will pull Bastion away uh, if you shoot it close enough to Bastion, which right now Bastion's one of the strongest characters in the game due to some recent buffs. Yeah. So um, that will, I think, change up the meta a little bit uh, for a competitive um, but that's so uh, she stole that one from Zarya, right? Um, she does get one move that I guess is her own, which basically makes it so any uh, movement impairing abilities completely don't work on her at all. So Zarya's graviton thing, ultimate um, maze freezing May. God, circle. Maze. Yes. Uh, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah, you you hit you hit this, and it and it gives you basically immunity to any of those kind of impairments, uh, movement impairing abilities. So that's kind of cool. Like, if a Reinhardt charges you when you're using it, then he just, like, bounces off and actually falls prone, like he does when you run into another Reinhardt. Wow. Uh, so That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's it, that's a pretty cool one. And then she also gets a damage reduction ability, where for a few seconds she gets all damage cut in half, I think it is. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's really interesting. So do you guys think that she is a positive addition to the tank class, or do you think that it's unnecessary? I will take this one. Um, I, I think it's going to be another diva situation, to be honest with you, where she is classified as a tank, but she doesn't really do tanky things. You know what I mean? She has a defense matrix, but it doesn't. It's not really useful enough to protect the team other than herself. So I kind of feel like Arissa is is takes all these abilities, but is never really good at one particular thing, and I don't think that. She will be played as a tank. I, I think she'll be labeled a tank, but I don't think she'll be played as tank just like Diva. Like I play Diva a lot, and um, I'll be honest with you, I I never use her to power through. I use her to sit back while other people are powering through and just hose people down. Um, but no, I, I I think Arissa is very similar in that in that aspect. She's a very Diva esque character. So I think people who play Diva, especially in my style, you know, not as a tank, more as a def- uh, offensive player. Um, we'll probably stick to that. Well, I mean, isn't the whole point of a tank to soak up a lot of damage? Because I mean, that's that's really what Diva's good at. Not really. She, I mean, her defense matrix helps a lot, but uh, well, like, she also has like, a giant health bar compared. Yeah, she to, has four, like four hundred health and like two hundred armor. I mean, that's the difference between like her and like the reason she's not offense. Like Tracer is. Tracer puts out 
more damage, but she's then she's got more like speed. Hit but points. She's got yeah, I think it's one fifty. But um, yeah, she I mean she can't really take much of a hit. So you know, offensive characters have to move quickly to deal their damage and, and that kind of thing. No, Tanks I mean, designed to soak up damage. You're 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 right on that point and that aspect. But there's a couple. There's a number one. There's how she's intended to be played and how people actually play her, and people don't actually play her that way. I'm, I think. I'm just, I, I think that's, versus... <laughs> if, you're playing, if you're playing quick play, that's probably true. I think in competitive, she's used a lot more as a tank. Her defense matrix, I'm talking about Diva here, not Orisa. Yeah, uh, her, her defense matrix is one of the only moves in the game that can completely absorb any amount of damage pushed at her or at her team, period. There's no limit to the amount of damage. The limit is the time. That's right. not, it's, but there's no limit on the damage she can absorb for her team, which is a pretty huge ability. Um, and she also, you know, doesn't have to reload. So you can constantly, you know, just be throwing, dam- you know, not a lot of damage, but you can constantly be throwing bullets down, which is sometimes enough to keep enemies from uh, pushing through a choke I mean, point. She is the, she's the only character that doesn't have to reload, right? Um, yeah, I mean, there's other characters that feel like they never have to reload. Like Arissa is a good example. Of that. She has a 200 round clip. I think it's 200 rounds. So it has a. She has a ton. Yeah, she can that, that almost constantly fire. Yeah, right. you almost never. And John actually, when we were playing together, commented on that that she has a huge uh, <laughs> yeah. magazine. So yeah, I. No, I, I, I mean that's definitely true with uh, with Bastion as well. He's yeah, got, his is pretty big. His isn't even as big as Arissa's though. Oh, okay. Um. Well, so um, I guess my question would be. Based on the classes, the characters that we have today, do you think that adding Orisa as a tank class is where we needed more characters? Do you think that was a good addition, or do you think it was like a safe bet? Like, how do you feel about her addition from a dynamic perspective? Me and Ryan actually talked about this. This is kind of a uh, we were just playing. We were just playing her this weekend, and what what Ryan mentioned was, and I'm not going to steal too much of your words, Ryan, but you said that this will help balance out teams why don't you elaborate on that well i think it will i think that she has a place um i don't know that she's necessary because again she just is borrowing abilities from everybody else to a lesser extent we didn't actually talk about her ultimate but her ultimate basically does what mercy's uh alternate fire does so she puts down like a totem that's destroyable by the enemy that anybody within eyesight of the totem gets a damage increase basically like what you get with mercy which is which is a pretty powerful move. I mean, I, I feel I haven't done a lot of games with her on my team because I I played with her on PTR briefly, uh, but that seems like it would be pretty powerful in certain situations. But I think that for her, her role, you know, you get if you play the game a lot, especially competitively, then you know that on offense you almost always want a Reinhardt, you know, and on defense really. I mean, you always need a Reinhardt. You need that shield. I think that her being an anchor tank, quote-unquote, whatever they're calling it, um, she's more of an anchor tank than Reinhardt. What that means is basically she's anchoring to one spot and keeping her team in one spot, which is what you want on, like, a control point map uh, or or even a 2CP map or a uh, payload map, anything that you can – so you want to keep the team – the opposing team from moving forward. That's right. the whole point. Uh, with her, her shield is on a really short cooldown. Um, she can constantly keep fire up and, and does more damage with it than D.Va. Um, she, I think she has a place. It's, I, I, I wish they would have come up with maybe a, a less tank, more defense character, personally, for the next one. I think that's what Doomfist is probably going to be. But, um, 
Yeah, I, I think she has a role. I just don't know how it will actually affect the meta in the uh, actual game. I think the other PTR changes will affect the meta more than adding her will. Interesting. Interesting. I, I want to say this, though. I will say, because she's new, it will force people to play tank, which will force other people to play other classes, <laughs> at least for the first week. So we will have better, uh, more more balanced teams, I want to say. But well, constantly, which John and I did talk about it, like, everybody, when, when there's a new hero release, this is actually my first new hero since oh. I've been playing. Sombra was released shortly before I started playing, but... Um, it, it, when there's a new hero release, I can only imagine that it's going to be just like it was on the PTR, where right. you're really lucky if you got to pick her yeah. for a little while, because nobody, everybody's going to want to be trying her out. Right. Not everybody plays on the PTR. So, uh, you know, it, even in competitive, you're going to always have that person, even on attack, wanting to play Arissa, and then you're going to have all the haters, you know, throwing yeah, but the salt, throwing the salt at the team. That's encouraging people to be tanks, and then, so I can't be a tank, so I'll be someone else, you know? And, and I think that balances out the team a little bit. It might. I mean, we'll have to see. Uh, I, I, it's going to encourage bad players to pick tanks, uh, which is necessarily yeah. a help. Because, I mean, the thing is, people who are super comfortable with a different class may not have any interest in trying her as a tank if they don't care to play a tank. You know, if you're already playing a tank, if that's your favorite class, then maybe you want to try her out just to see if she's a better tank. But if you're an offensive person, if you're a support person, you know... You may wait until the hype dies down. I think if yeah. you're a DPS player, then uh, and and you're playing competitive, and your team needs a tank. I think Orissa will be a good option for you because she, it kind of like John was talking about with Diva. Like it's not uncommon to go into a game and have Diva have the most eliminations of anybody. I mean, I did that just last week with John and I were playing. Um, so I mean, it's, that's not uncommon. Um, and I think that Orissa, her weapons are pretty powerful. You know, it's powerful enough to where she could be played similar to a DPS, and as long as the person is throwing out the shield mm-hmm. occasionally and using the ultimate, it would be a. Fa- I think she's going to be fairly easy to pick up on compared to like Sombra. Sombra is a. They, people still haven't figured Sombra out yet, so. No, I definitely think that Sombra and Ana were both more difficult to play. Um, I think they required a little more ingenuity. Uh, at least Ana, I think, requires a little... They're definitely more nuanced. I yes, say, that's yeah. the word. That's the word. Nuanced, yes. Because, you know, at the end of the day, Orissa is a tank with a big gun and a shield. And I think that, you know, it's easier to understand how to use her. You may not be good at it, but you can comprehend she it. She does have a lot of abilities, so yeah. that, that might, you know, be difficult. People may not take advantage of all her abilities. Right. But I think that to be at least mildly effective, yeah. you could probably do that fairly fairly easily. I think it would be much easier to be bad as Ana having yes. to be oh, you know, a sniper healer. Yeah. Than, you know. <laughs> that, no, she's hard. Ana's hard to play, in my opinion. I don't I don't personally play those type of characters. Um I'm the if I'm ever a healer, I'm the best with mercy because I don't have to do anything but focus on healing. <laughs> You know, yeah, that's true. I mean, really, uh, you to play a battle mercy, you you don't see battle mercies until you get like somebody that's played with mercy for like a hundred hours, because otherwise they're just not effective. It's uh, hard. They're it's almost true. always more effective healing. Yeah, it's, she's not supposed to really be on offense. You know. Yeah, um, and a lot of people give mercy players a hard time because she is a very easy healer to pick up. She, I mean, she's really hard to play really well. Because a really good Mercy player is going to use her pistol occasionally. Most people don't ever even know she has a pistol. They just, <laughs> you know, and you can be effective as a healer that way, but you're not going to be as effective as a, as a well-rounded character doing that. And a lot of people give a no, hard time to players like if that. If you have to play a support and you've never played one of them before, she is easier to play than 
Lucio or Zenyatta, you know, those yeah. are those are more complicated characters. That's absolutely true. And again, more nuanced. There's a lot yeah. of like little things you have to do uh, with those characters to be effective. And with Mercy, really, as long as you can hold the button, the mouse button down, or whatever controller trigger is, um, you know, yeah, you're uh, good. I think you're totally right. Um, all right, so I think that's probably a good amount on Orissa. Um, I know that we'll talk a little bit about some of the other stuff going on in the PTR here in a minute, but I just want to talk kind of in general a bit about the game and why um, you know you may or may not be super into it. So for me, for example, I love first-person shooters. Uh, GoldenEye, Halo, I love that stuff. Um, being able to play a first-person shooter that's as polished as you get with Blizzard is a real treat for me. Uh, I do miss, uh, you know, that there's no campaign. I'm hoping that they bring that in at some point because the characters are so rich that I really want to know more about it. Uh, but, like, Zach, for example, I know that you haven't really had much of an opportunity to play Overwatch. Is there any reason that you haven't jumped on that yet? Yeah, we talked about it a little bit, I think, last week or the week before, or maybe it was on the infamous Lost episode. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, for me, I just I I love Blizzard and the games they put out. And for me, the biggest biggest draw to Blizzard franchises is their uh, their stories and how they handle stories. And I know I've heard you and John, uh, John and, and uh, uh, talk about how there is a story. There's been reference to that tonight in the discussion. So I, I know there's a story in Overwatch, but for me, it's like I'd rather play a, a campaign on Warcraft three or play through Diablo three or some DLC and. Uh, I mean, even even uh, what kept me playing World of Warcraft for so long was I, I'd get sick of it, and then there'd be a new expansion, and I'd be like, "Oh shit, I gotta see what happens next." So, uh, so yeah, that was that was why I've never that in time. I mean, so I've only have so much time to play video games, so I'm constantly like, "Well, do I want to play this one? Do I want to play this one?" So, yeah, for me, uh, Overwatch it, it sounds awesome. It sounds like a lot of fun. Everyone I talk to, it sounds like it's a, a really uh, well-executed, uh, enjoyable experience, but I just uh, haven't haven't had the overwhelming urge to get into it just yet, unless one of you can convince me tonight. Well, we will see what we can do. Uh, I definitely understand the campaign part. You know, like I said, it's I my favorite part about Halo is is the story, is the campaign. You know, Master Chief and Cortana. I'm not a big multiplayer guy in the Halo world because you know I don't have the time to dedicate to those types of multiplayer experiences because I spread out my game time so much. Um, John, what what brought you into Overwatch? Because I know that wasn't really your thing initially, and now you're pretty into it. Um, you know, I guess I was afraid to pick up a new first-person shooter. Um, at that time, I had been playing Battlefield 1, which I was enjoying. Um, but now <laughs> I have to say this now that I've played Overwatch, like I can never go back to any type of first person. It's just so it's actual fun. You know, um, I think the appeal to me for me, uh, initially that, that kind of dragged me in was, you know, the, the real, the true aspect of focusing on the team and, um, what, what was created to, you know, to deter people from running and gunning and the cool abilities. Like there was, there's a lot to really bring you in. Um, then later on you start, you start, um, expanding the universe and you're like, holy crap, there's, there's stories and there's comics and there's things to, to catch up on these characters. And, uh, there's a lot to choose from character wise, classes wise. Like it's really exciting. Honestly, I, I feel like for me last year, that was the best game. 
that was released. That was my number one game of last year was Overwatch. Yeah, it won some Game of the Year awards for, from various entertainment sites. That's definitely for sure. Um, now, Ryan, I know that early on when Overwatch was about to come out, you were trying out Battleborn. I was interested in Battleborn, yeah, interested. because I'm a fan of 2K games and some of the stuff that they've done in the past. Um, Bioshock and Borderlands being the big ones. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, Battleborn, I think, was it looked like an interesting game. It was like a MOBA in a first-person shooter body. But uh, it, I had the unfortunate uh, release timing of being about the same as Overwatch <laughs> like three weeks before, <laughs> not being a Blizzard game. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's it was still pretty successful for what it was, but it's definitely not like Overwatch levels of success. So so what what got you to give Overwatch a shot? I mean, I wasn't really. I, I wanted to make sure the game was good. You know, before I wasted sixty bucks on it, and sure. then uh, they did a free weekend back in December, and I was like, "Oh, what the heck? I'll give it a try," and uh, tried it out, and it reminded me of when I first started playing Team Fortress Two, and I really loved that game and, and Counter Strike. I had um, I, I used to play uh, Counter Strike competitively, so I hadn't had a first person shooter that I could play competitively in a long time, um, and so it just had a lot of appeal uh, because of my love of Team Fortress Two, but also having a competitive aspect, because Counter-Strike was competitive, but it didn't have classes. It was basically, you had everybody had the exact same, you know, options for fire, for guns and stuff like that. You know, so it was, that one came all down to skill. This one comes down to skill and also team dynamic, team dynamic and your individual skill of the hero. Um, and there's so many heroes, nobody's good at all the heroes. So, no. you know, yeah, that, that, I really liked it, and, it, and it's felt like a warm embrace ever since I started, you know, because it feels very familiar, and I think that Blizzard has done a good job with that, with bringing gamers that are used to Team Fortress 2. They don't shy away from the fact that it's a te- that it was based off and oh, no. inspired by Team Fortress yeah. 2, so it does it does feel like a warm blanket for me, because it, I loved TF2, and kind of gotten away from it when they started going crazy with hats and stuff like that, so... <laughs> Yeah, no, speaking of like the Team Fortress 2 part of it, like so uh, I was lucky enough, and I, I really mean that honestly, lucky enough to be at BlizzCon the year the, that Overwatch was announced, um, which was a pretty big deal because it had been literally just ages uh, since they had had fresh IP, Blizzard that is, and um, you know they showed, they showed the trailer, which if you haven't seen the trailer for Overwatch, the original trailer, go watch it, it basically looks like a, a little Pixar movie. And so, you know, they play, like, no announcement, no explanation, they just play this movie, and then the movie stops, and everyone's just kind of, like, silent. Nobody has any clue what's going on. Oh, they make it a movie? You know? or <laughs> right, yeah, right. Yeah. And so they, they, they come out on the stage, and like, so I guess you're probably wondering what that was about, <laughs> you know? And, um, they actually said straight up that, you know, like, you know, a lot of you are probably, and then they show some gameplay stuff, and I know a lot of you are probably thinking, that looks like Team Fortress 2. And we agree with you. <laughs> you know, like, they were not shy about it at all. Um, I mean, if, if the... Valve wanted to, they could have released a Team Fortress 3. I mean, sure. they've had sure. however many years that they've been producing content for TF2. Uh, they still produce updates for TF2 to this day. And, I mean, the game's been out for 10 years. Long time. I mean, yeah. it's been out for a while. So, uh, you know, it's, it was a, it's a, it feels like an homage to TF2, but also improves on, on in a lot of ways. So, Yeah, I mean, for me, it was the fact that it was Blizzard. And while I don't play literally everything Blizzard has. I'm not, I don't really have time for MMO, so I, I barely played WoW ever. 
Um, I think my I think I ended up with like a level twelve. I think was the highest I ever got. Um, but you know, I played pretty much everything else they have, and so you know, the idea that they'd have another game that is a little more in my wheelhouse, um, that I was just really stoked about it, and uh, I loved it from the get go. Even though they never let me in the beta, I still I forgive them and. <laughs> I bought the game. If I had a blind, I would have gone into it. Because I get into every beta. Seriously, man. I, Ever. It's like a joke. They actually have a... If you, if you go to BlizzCon after, like, uh, for when there's a big release, like this kind of stuff, they have a sign at their information desk that says, don't ask about beta access. Because <laughs> oh. people use the fact that, like, well, I paid to go to BlizzCon. I should get, uh, you know, I should get beta access. And I understand that logic, but, uh, you know, they can't just let everybody in who went to BlizzCon. That's not fair. So... But, uh, so, alright, so, is there anything else, then, about the game itself, the lore, anything that you think people who don't really play it a lot should know? Like, let's, let's sell Zach on this a little bit. Well, Why? I, I just did. Like, if I was <laughs> going to say anything to sell it to anybody, I would, especially somebody that's obviously familiar with TF2, I would say that it feels like a, uh, a more polished uh, and more varied TF2 without a lot of crazy hats and stuff like that. I mean, it's and it's getting constant updates at no cost, like TF2 did. You pay a flat price for it, and you get updates you get the game. for free. Yeah, that, that's something I want to talk about with that. And we we harp on that a lot, Ryan. I'm I'm glad you mentioned that. It, we we harp on a lot of games, especially EA, who sell you an incomplete game with hopes that well, not hopes, well, basically twisting your arm that you'll pay to get more to explore rest of the game. I, I love what Blizzard has done, particularly, is they've gone a route... I mean, I've, I've always been a Diablo fan, hands down, but they've, oh, yeah. they're they totally different now. They're, they're completely like, hey, we want you to enjoy the game. Everything is free. Here's something I also really like about it is the loot crates, or loot boxes, sorry, are really cool. They're, they're a little fun incentive that you get for... Did you open yours yet, John? I've opened all of them. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> well, for a while, John was like, "I don't need any loot. <laughs> I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna play the game. That's all I care about." And then he's like, "Whoa, what is it? I get that skin." <laughs> and it's free. All of those skins. Yeah. All well, of the skins. Well, the, the loot boxes are not free. They're random. Uh, well, but you get them at every time you, you, yeah, they're random, and you get them every time you level up. So yeah, right, right. So but that's like, pretty nice. If you want a specific skin or you want a specific emote or something like that, uh, most of them, if it's not from an event, you can purchase using in-game gold that you can earn. Uh, but what's important to stress, and I, I do think it's important to stress, that the loot boxes only provide cosmetic stuff. Yes, that's what so I was there, getting at. There's no pay-to-win pay to kind of mentality here. It's, yeah, you might get a really cool skin or an emote or a, or a line or something like that, but it's not going to make you a better player in the game. It doesn't give you more damage or more health or, you know, more stealth or something like that. It doesn't change the gameplay. In addition to that, um, I like the leveling system is in, in Call of Duty and, and that Call of Duty kind of set the standard for a lot of the first person shooters in the sense where, where leveling came in and every level you get like a new gun or a new uh, ability per se, you know, you're able to do something else. In this game, you get everything right off the bat. Level is really just, I mean, that's just a ranking thing. It's, bra it's bragging rights, and it's to enter competitive play, you have to at least hit 25. I love it, though. Like, I that, to me, evens the playing field. Yeah, uh, I'm completely with you there. Just to touch on something John said about uh, the loot crates, uh, I, I want, I'm a Valve fanboy, so I'm just going to go out there and say that... <laughs> 
TF2 has had free loot crates for a long time. For, yeah. And uh, that was, you can also buy that, or you have to buy keys to open the loot crates, but right, you do yeah. get free keys from time to time um, and things like that. But loot, Valve has done all of that already, but, but and, and they're obviously inspired by TF2 in that respect, too. So. Absolutely. But your arm's not twisted to buy those keys, though. No, no. Yeah. And you, they have trading in that game, so you can yeah. trade. Oh, that's cool. Key, you know, for somebody that's that cool. did buy keys, you right. can get crates. And, I mean, you know, it's it's funny because, like, you know, games do that in a, in, a, in a different way. Star Trek Online, for example, the MMO has uh, boxes that you have to buy keys for. But it's, like, it's not cosmetic stuff. It's different ships and different weapons and different armor and... Um, things that could make you a better player or things that you might sell and make you a lot of extra credits and, and things like that. So um, I, I like when it's cosmetic because if you don't care, if you really don't care, good for you. You don't have to spend – you spend the 40 bucks or the 60 bucks depending on which version of the game you bought and you're done. And if you want some cool stuff, yeah, go buy some some loot boxes. Um, I've, I've bought a bunch of them um, when they have certain events because I think they're fun. You know, I, I like the Olympic Games skins. I thought those were really good. So, you know. It just depends what you're into. Um, which, now we all play, all three of us, we play on PC. Though I did give it a shot on PS4 when they had one of their free weekends. I did think that it was a really positive, smooth experience. So if, you know, if the idea of PC gaming is a little overwhelming because you're a console gamer, it's, I think it's really good on, on console as well. So I don't think that, that would be a problem for you. Yeah, I mean, all the simple-minded uh, console gamers will be able to just dive right in with no issues. Um, if you want to play at a more elite level, then obviously PC is the way to go because, uh, you know, that's where all the elite players and gamers hang out. So for those of you who aren't aware, PC gamers who are dedicated PC gamers tend to think PC overly, master race for overly higher, higher themselves. Uh, you know, I, I like to spread the love. I own all the platforms. Yes. So, you know. And you get how much time a week to play those Not platforms? Not a whole lot, exactly. but, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with console gaming. Yeah. Some games are better on a certain platform than another platform. That That's that's definitely true. But I think Overwatch is really great on, uh, on a console. Uh, before we wrap things up, is there anything cool going on in PTR outside of Orisa? There's a lot of... Interesting stuff, yeah. I mean, it's it's nothing, uh, you know, really the size of a hero update. Um, but we were talking about Anna earlier, who's a, who's like a sniper rifle healer. Um, she's getting her rifle damage decreased, and uh, the damage on her biotic grenade, which is a grenade you throw and it heals your allies and keeps your enemies from healing, um, they reduce the damage and the amount of healing that that is done by her. Basically, the problem with Anna was that with with a good player. She was a must-have in the top grandmaster like level, top 500 players in competitive. There was no team that didn't have it on it because she was so overly powerful as a healer with a good player. And so they did those changes to uh, kind of level the playing field with the other healers. Uh, Junkrat you know, balancing can get really tough because at different skill levels, the balancing changes. Well, she's such an advance, right? Like she's a. We talked about earlier. She's at a. You'll have to like. I've played her. I've been playing. Uh, shooters my whole life, and I struggle with her because she's she's very difficult to play well and extremely nuanced. Um, so yeah, I think that'll make her less of a, a must pick and give the other healers uh, a chance to step up. Uh, Junkrat no longer gets hurt from his own explosions, which is a pretty huge buff. Yeah, for I'm not happy about that change. His ultimate before would uh, would kill him if he was in range, and now it does not. And his grenades, you can he can shoot somebody at point blank and blow him up, and uh, and he doesn't take any damage. 
Yeah, that, that one bothers me. I think that the fact that he can get so many kills without seeing anything that's going on at all, it just kind of bothered, rubbed, rubbed me the wrong way to begin with. So now, to be fair, Diva can do the same thing, and, you know, people don't complain Only with her ults. I'm not complaining about the ults. I'm talking about regular. Oh, just the you're saying just spamming grenades. grenades. Yeah, just spamming grenades, I found, I, it just really rubs me the wrong way. It just, it feels very, it's, it's spammy. I think that's the right word. Yeah. And so it's frustrating to play against. So to make that even easier for the character to do, it's frustrating. The ult thing doesn't bother me because I think that's fair. Because if you know he does his ult and then just somebody happens to come around the corner at that very moment, like that sucks. Yeah. You know, but the the normal weapon not doing any damage that bothers me. Well, Diva doesn't get blown up by her own ult, so it makes sense that right, right. friendly fire wasn't on for your character. Yeah. Basically, that's that's fair. Yeah, that's it fair. is a huge Junkrat buff. John is a Junkrat main. I would say oh, yeah. he might argue that uh, the Evos play Diva a lot, but uh, you know that's going to be a huge buff for him. So. I'm I'm excited for it personally. I I do I do have to agree though. Like his alt, it's a little ridiculous. Um, do you guys know how much time is really on that tire that he can drive that around? He can drive it for like twenty a seconds wide. or something. Yeah, it's a, a long. Time. And he can jump. He can jump over stuff with he the tire. Like, yeah, it's it's pretty uh, ridiculous, but. Um, I'm gonna be honest. I, I mean, didn't there know was a lot of time. I thought it was just until it hit time, something. Yeah, it so. runs out of gas or whatever. Ah, okay. That yeah, but I, I'm just saying it. 20 seconds is a long time. I've fallen off uh, a ledge, came back around the stairs, and up and still got people. Like, I mean, that's how much time you... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but to be fair, it can be shot down. But, like, yeah. so, like, something like D.Va's ultimate cannot be... Sh- you can't shoot it no. to stop it. Uh, and junk I, rats, I, I've, I've shot Junkrat's ult before and stopped it. But, yeah, and it's very frustrating as a Junkrat. You see, like, the five kill, you know, play of the game getting ready to happen, and then... You get shot down and yep. whatever. Yeah, absolutely. it happens a lot. It's, it's very vulnerable, or you get killed while you're doing your ult. Like that happens a lot yeah. to me. But but it doesn't um, end your ult when that happens. You, you no, 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 no. I'm just saying so you're, on, so. you're you're dead when you come back though. Yeah, and that's it's kind of frustrating. But kills your streak, whatever. It ends your streak, I should say. But um, no, I, I I'm I'm personally excited for that buff because I really do use Junkrat a lot. I, I my two top characters are Diva and Junkrat. Um, but, you know, the whole, the whole Ana thing, again, she's not my play style, but I think that'll be, um, make, that'll gear the, the focus more towards being a healer. Stop trying to play defensively. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah. because that's another problem. She did so much damage. Right. Like, when you're talking against an enemy Farah, who, if you don't know who Farah is, she's like, she has a jetpack and flies in the air and shoots rockets down on people. Um, there's a certain, like, maybe two heroes that are really good at taking her down. Well, um, Anna was one of them because, but she should not be doing that. She's support. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's, this is going to take some of the focus off of that, which I think is good. But that is also kind of an unintentional buff to Farah uh, by, because it makes her easy. She can survive easier now because yeah. she doesn't have to worry about them shooting her as much. Um, Arissa actually got a couple changes on there. Her magazine size, I said earlier, was 200. They actually dropped that to 150, and they increased the cost for Ultimate. Uh, Sombra, which this is a big joke among people that that are in, like, the Overwatch groups on Facebook and everything, is that her... She does, like, a stealth thing where she goes invisible, Mm -hmm. but 
you could hear her coming like a mile away. Um, so they reduced the uh, the distance that you could hear her okay. going in and out of stealth. And they also uh, reduced the cooldown on her translocator, which is like a beacon that she can throw and teleport to. Yeah. Uh, Winston got a pretty huge buff. He can now, when, now when he throws down a shield, um, the cooldown starts when he throws down the shield instead of after the shield is blown yeah, that's up. That's a huge change. That's a very big buff. And I think it'll make him much more viable. Oh, we'll be able to Ryan every time. It makes sense. I think it's a good decision. So, um, Zenyatta got a decent buff. Uh, he can, uh, he has less of a spread on his orb of destruction now, um, which is a secondary fire where he like charges up these orbs and shoots like ten of them out. Um, it's not a heavily used ability, but it does make that a little bit better. They did have a thing where you could target with the uh, Discord orb through shields. Discord orb yeah. makes people take more damage, essentially. If you're not that one kind of, I don't like that it can go through. That the was a pretty huge buff. They did, they did revert that. Okay. They also made Sombra uh, her hacked health packs. You can hack health packs of Sombra, and it basically like lets it recharge faster for your team. And the other teams can't use it. And the other teams can't use it anymore. And also, when you use a health, health uh, a hacked health pack. It gives Sombra a huge boost for her ultimate. She gets oh, like ten, that. five or ten percent every That's time cool. it's used. So it's a lot. So that'll help. She can you can now see these through walls, so ah. you can see where the hacked uh, bits are. That's interesting. Um, so yeah, they they've done a few changes, and I'm, I'm betting most of those changes are going to go live on Tuesday. Um, cool. I guess we'll see. We but. will find out. All right. Well, I think that's probably going to be it then for us this week. We are at our hour mark, which is where we want it to be, but we've been over the last couple of weeks. Uh, Zach, you know, we'll do our best to find a better topic for you, buddy, for next week. Hey, no, this has been (laughs) enjoyable. I I have learned a lot. I mean, I still won't have magically time to play this game, but but it does. It confirms (laughs) everything that I'd heard about it before. Fair enough. Um, so guys, don't forget, you can find us at heroespodcast.com. There's a big button there to go to our iTunes page. Drop us a review. When we get to 10 reviews, we're giving away a video game. All right? So, so, (laughs) free stuff, free video game, uh, for consoles. We did a, we we did a Steam game for our previous contest, so this one's going to be for consoles. So, uh... For, when we get the 10 reviews, we're going to do a random drawing from, from those initial people. So go out there, review, review, review. Uh, we will be back next week. So stay tuned. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll catch you guys next time. 11. Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.